0: section eighteen of annual reports to the massachusetts board of education by horace mann this librivox recording is in the public domain annual reports to the massachusetts board of education by horace mann fifth annual report eighteen forty one part one gentlemen the declination of the sun towards the southern tropic is not more certainly followed by winter with all its blankness and sterility nor does the ascension of that luminary towards our own part of the heavens more certainly bring on summer with all its beauty and abundance than does the want or the enjoyment of education degrade or elevate the condition of a people i will occupy the short space which propriety allows to me in concluding this report by showing the effect of education upon the worldly fortunes and estates of men its influence upon property upon human comfort and competence upon the outward visible material interests or well-being of individuals and communities this view so far from being the highest which can be taken of the beneficent influences of education may perhaps be justly regarded as the lowest but it is a palpable view it presents an aspect of the subject susceptible of being made intelligible to all and therefore it will meet the case of thousands who are now indifferent about the education of their offspring because they foresee no reimbursement in kind no return in money or in money's worth for money expended the cooperation of this numerous class is indispensable in order to carry out the system and if they can be induced to educate their children even from inferior motives the children when educated will feel its higher and nobler affinities so too in regard to towns if it can be proved that the aggregate wealth of a town will be increased just in proportion to the increase of its appropriations for schools the opponents of such a measure will be silenced the tax for this purpose which they now look upon as a burden they will then regard as a profitable investment let it be shown that the money which is now clung to by the parent in the hope of increasing his children's legacies some six or ten per cent can be so invested as to double their patrimony and the blind instinct of parental love which now by voice and vote opposes such outlay will become an advocate for the most generous endowments when the money expended for education shall be viewed in its true character as seed-grain sown in a soil which is itself enriched by yielding then the most parsimonious will not stint in the sowing lest the harvest also should be stinted and thereby thirty sixty or a hundredfold should be lost to the garners i am the more induced to take this view of the subject because the advocates and eulogists of education have rarely if ever descended to so humble a duty as to demonstrate its pecuniary value both to individuals and to society they have expended their strength in portraying its loftier attributes its gladdening refining humanizing tendencies they have not deigned to show how it can raise more abundant harvests and multiply the conveniences of domestic life how it can build, transport, manufacture, mine, navigate, fortify, how, in fine, a single new idea is often worth more to an individual than a hundred workmen, and to a nation than the addition of provinces to its territory. I have novel and striking evidence to prove that education is convertible into houses and lands, as well as into power and virtue. Although, therefore, this utilitarian view of education, as it may be called, which regards it as the dispenser of private competence and the promoter of national wealth, is by no means the first which would address itself to an enlightened and benevolent mind, yet it will be found to possess intrinsic merits, and to be worthy of the special regard, not only of the political economist, but of the lawgiver and moralist nature fastens upon us original and inexorable necessities in regard to food raiment and shelter though these physical wants are among the lowest that belong to our being yet there is a view of them which is not sordid or ignoble they must be first served because if denied forthwith the race is extinct they domineer over us and until supplied their importunate clamor will drown every appeal to higher capacities no hungry or houseless people ever were or ever will be an intelligent or a moral one it is found that the church the lecture-room and the hall of science flourish best where regard is paid to the institution for savings the divine charities of christian love are often straitened because our means of benevolence fall short of our desires I proceed then to show that education has a power of ministering to our personal and material wants, beyond all other agencies, whether excellence of climate, spontaneity of production, mineral resources, or mines of silver and gold. Every wise parent and community, desiring the prosperity of their children even in the most worldly sense, will spare no pains in giving them a generous education during the past year i have opened a correspondence and availed myself of all opportunities to hold personal interviews with many of the most practical sagacious and intelligent businessmen amongst us who for many years have had large numbers of persons in their employment my object has been to ascertain the difference in the productive ability where natural capacities have been equal between the educated and the uneducated between a man or woman whose mind has been awakened to thought and supplied with the rudiments of knowledge by a good common-school education and one whose faculties have never been developed or aided in emerging from their original darkness and torpor by such a privilege for this purpose i have conferred and corresponded with manufacturers of all kinds with machinists engineers railroad contractors officers in the army etc these various classes of persons have means of determining the effects of education on individuals equal in their natural abilities which other classes do not possess a farmer hiring a laborer for one season who has received a good common school education and the ensuing season hiring another who has not enjoyed this advantage although he may be personally convinced of the relative value or profitableness of their services will rarely have any exact data or tests to refer to by which he can measure the superiority of the former over the latter they do not work side by side so that he can institute a comparison between the amounts of labor they perform they may cultivate different fields where the ease of tillage or the fertility of the soils may be different they may rear crops under the influence of different seasons so that he cannot discriminate between what is referable to the bounty of nature and what to superiority of judgment or skill similar difficulties exist in estimating the amount and value of female labour in the household and as to the mechanic also the carpenter the mason the blacksmith the tool-maker of any kind there are a thousand circumstances which we call accidental that mingle their influences in giving quality and durability to their work and prevent us from making a precise estimate of the relative value of any two men's handicraft individual differences too in regard to a single article or a single day's work may be too minute to be noticed or appreciated while the aggregate of all these differences at the end of a few years may make all the difference between a poor and a rich man no observing man can have failed to notice the difference between two workmen one of whom to use a proverbial expression always hits the nail on the head while the other loses half his strength and destroys half his nails by the awkwardness of his blows but perhaps few men have thought of the difference in the results of two such men's labor at the end of twenty years but when hundreds of men or women work side by side in the same factory at the same machinery in making the same fabrics and by a fixed rule of the establishment labour the same number of hours each day and when also the products of each operative can be counted in number weighed by the pound or measured by the yard or cubic foot then it is perfectly practicable to determine with arithmetical exactness the productions of one individual and one class as compared with those of another individual and another class so where there are different kinds of labour some simple others complicated and of course requiring different degrees of intelligence and skill it is easy to observe what class of persons rise from a lower to a higher grade of this employment this too is not to be forgotten that in a manufacturing or mechanical establishment or among a set of hands engaged in filling up a valley or cutting down a hill where scores of people are working together the absurd and adventitious distinctions of society do not intrude the capitalist and his agents are looking for the greatest amount of labor or the largest income in money from their investments and they do not promote a dunce to a station where he will destroy raw material or slacken in industry because of his name or his birth or his family connections the obscurest and humblest person has an open and fair field for competition that he proves himself capable of earning more money for his employer is a testimonial better than a diploma from all the colleges now many of the most intelligent and valuable men in our community in compliance with my request for which i tender them my public and grateful acknowledgments have examined their books for a series of years and have ascertained both the quality and the amount of work performed by the persons in their employment and the result of the investigation is a most astonishing superiority in productive power on the part of the educated over the uneducated laborer the hand is found to be another hand when guided by an intelligent mind processes are performed not only more rapidly, but better, when faculties which have been exercised in early life furnish their assistance. Individuals who, without the aid of knowledge, would have been condemned to perpetual inferiority of condition, and subjected to all the evils of want and poverty, rise to competence and independence by the uplifting power of education in great establishments and among large bodies of labouring men where all services are rated according to their pecuniary value where there are no extrinsic circumstances to bind a man down to a fixed position after he has shown a capacity to rise above it where indeed men pass by each other ascending or descending in their grades of labour just as easily and certainly as particles of water of different degrees of temperature glide by each other there it is found as an almost invariable fact other things being equal that those who have been blessed with a good common school education rise to a higher and higher point in the kinds of labour performed and also in the rate of wages paid while the ignorant sink like dregs and are always found at the bottom i now proceed to lay before the board some portions of the evidence i have obtained first inserting my circular letter in answer to which the communications have been made circular letter two blank. dear sir my best and only apology for taking the liberty to address you will be found in the object i have in view which therefore i proceed to state without further preface in fulfilling the duties with which i have been entrusted by the board of education i am led into frequent conversation and correspondence not only with persons in every part of the state, but more or less with every class and description of persons in the whole community. I regret to say that among these I occasionally meet with individuals who, although very differently circumstanced in life, cordially agree in their indifference towards the cause of common education, and some of whom even profess to be alarmed at possible mischiefs that may come in its train, and therefore stand in its path and obstruct its advancement. The individuals who thus maintain an attitude of neutrality, or assume one of active opposition, are either persons who, in their worldly circumstances, are deemed the favourites of fortune, or they are persons who are alike strangers to mental cultivation and to all the outward and ordinary signs of temporal prosperity, in a word they are found in regard to their worldly condition at the two extremes of the social scale i would by no means be understood to say that any considerable proportion of the men of wealth amongst us look with an unfriendly eye on the general diffusion of the means of knowledge on the contrary some of the best friends of education are to be found amongst this class who uniting abundance of means with benevolence of disposition are truly efficient in advancing the work nor on this subject are the lines of demarcation between parties broadly drawn but they shade off by imperceptible degrees from friends to opponents but this i do mean to say that there are men of wealth and leisure too numerous to be overlooked in a calculation of friendly and of adverse agencies who profess to fear that a more thorough and comprehensive education for the whole people will destroy contentment loosen habits of industry engender a false ambition and prompt to an incursion into their own favoured sphere by which great loss will accrue to themselves without any corresponding benefit to the invaders the other class are those who suffering from a neglected or a perverted education themselves seem incapable of appreciating either the temporal and material well-being or the mental elevation and enjoyment which it is the prerogative of a good education to confer these two parties though alien from each other in all other respects are allies here and although with the exception of a very few towns in the commonwealth they are not numerically strong yet by adroitly implicating other questions with that of the public schools they are able in many cases to baffle all efforts at reform and improvement the views of these parties i believe to be radically wrong anti-social anti-republican anti-christian and i believe that all action in pursuance of them will impair the best interests of society and originate a train of calamities in which not only their advocates but all portions of the community will be involved convinced that such is the inevitable and accelerating tendency of such views it seems to me to be the duty of the friends of mankind to meet them with fairness and a conciliatory spirit indeed but with earnestness and energy and to confute them by the production of evidence and the exposition of principles it is for this reason that i address you and solicit your reply founded upon your personal knowledge to the following questions first have you had large numbers of persons in your employment or under your superintendence if so will you please to state how many within what period of time in what department of business whether at different places whether natives or foreigners second have you observed differences among the persons you have employed growing out of differences in their education and independent of their natural abilities that is whether as a class those who from early life have been accustomed to exercise their minds by reading and studying have greater docility and quickness in applying themselves to work and after the simplest details are mastered have they greater aptitude dexterity or ingenuity in comprehending ordinary processes or in originating new ones do they more readily or frequently devise new modes by which the same amount of work can be better done or by which more work can be done in the same time or by which raw material or motive power can be economized in short do you obtain more work and better work with less waste from those who have received what in massachusetts we call a good common-school education or from those who have grown up in neglect and ignorance is there any difference in the earnings of these two classes, and consequently in their wages? Third, what, within your knowledge, has been the effect of higher degrees of mental application and culture upon the domestic and social habits of the persons in your employment? Is this class more cleanly in their persons, their dress, and their households? And do they enjoy a greater immunity from those diseases which originate in a want of personal neatness and purity? Are they more exemplary in their deportment and conversation, devoting more time to intellectual pursuits or to the refining art of music, and spending their evenings and leisure hours more with their families, and less at places of resort for idle and dissipated men? Is a smaller portion of them addicted to intemperance? Are their houses kept in a superior condition, does a more economical and judicious mode of living purchase greater comforts at the same expense or equal comforts with less means are their families better brought up more respectably dressed more regularly attendant upon the school and the church and do their children when arrived at years of maturity enter upon the active scenes of life with better prospects of success Fourth. In regard to standing and respectability among their co-laborers, neighbors, and fellow-citizens, generally, how do those who have enjoyed and improved the privilege of good common schools compare with the neglected and the illiterate? Do the former exercise greater influence among their associates? Are they more often applied to for advice and counsel in cases of difficulty, or selected as umpires or arbitrators for the decision of minor controversies, are higher and more intelligent circles of acquaintance open to them, from conversation and intercourse with which their own minds can be constantly improved? Are they more likely to rise from grade to grade in the scale of labor, until they enter departments where greater skill, judgment, and responsibility are required, and which therefore command a larger remuneration? are they more likely to rise from the condition of employees and to establish themselves in business on their own account fifth have you observed any difference in the classes above named i speak of them as classes for there will of course be individual exceptions in regard to punctuality and fidelity in the performance of duties which class is most regardful of the rights of others and most intelligent and successful in securing their own you will of course perceive that this question involves a more general one namely from which of the above described classes have those who possess property and who hope to transmit it to their children the most to fear from secret aggression or from such public degeneracy as will loosen the bands of society corrupt the testimony of witnesses violate the sanctity of a juror's oath and substitute as a rule of right the power of a numerical majority for the unvarying principles of justice sixth finally in regard to those who possess the largest shares in the stock of worldly goods could there in your opinion be any police so vigilant and effective for the protection of all the rights of person property and character as such a sound and comprehensive education and training as our system of common schools could be made to impart and would not the payment of a sufficient tax to make such education and training universal be the cheapest means of self-protection and insurance and in regard to that class which from the accident of birth and parentage are subjected to the privations and temptations of poverty would not such an education open to them new resources in habits of industry and economy in increased skill and the awakening of inventive power which would yield returns a thousandfold greater than can ever be hoped for from the most successful clandestine depredations or open invasion of the property of others i am aware my dear sir that to every intelligent and reflecting man these inquiries will seem superfluous and nugatory and your first impulse may be to put some such interrogatory to me in reply as whether the sun has any influence on vegetable growth or whether it is expedient to have windows in our houses for the admission of light i acknowledge the close analogy of the cases in point of self-evidence but my reply is that while we have influential persons who dwell with us in the same common mansion of society and who having secured for themselves a few well-lighted apartments now insist that total darkness is better for a portion of the occupants born and dwelling under the same roof and while unfortunately a portion of these benighted occupants from never having seen more than the feeblest glimmerings of the light of day insist that it is better for them and their children to remain blind while these opinions continue to exist i hold that it is necessary to adduce facts and arguments and to present motives which shall prove both to the blinded and to those who would keep them so the value and the beauty of light horace mann secretary of the board of education postscript if the above shall give you a general outline of my object i would thank you to fill it up even though parts of it may not be distinctly indicated by the questions letter from j k mills esq boston december twenty ninth eighteen forty one my dear sir i have endeavored since i received your letter to collect such information as would enable me to answer your questions the house with which i am connected in business has had for the last ten years the principal direction of cotton mills machine shops and calico printing works in which are constantly employed about three thousand persons the opinions i have formed of the effects of a common school education upon our manufacturing population are the result of personal observation and inquiries and are confirmed by the testimony of the overseers and agents who are brought into immediate contact with the operatives they are as follows. 1. That the rudiments of a common school education are essential to the attainment of skill and expertness as laborers, or to consideration and respect in the civil and social relations of life. 2. That very few who have not enjoyed the advantages of a common school education ever rise above the lowest level of operatives, and that the labor of this class when it is employed in manufacturing operations which require even a very moderate degree of manual or mental dexterity, is unproductive. 3. That a large majority of the overseers, and others employed in situations which require a high degree of skill in particular branches, which oftentimes require a good general knowledge of business, and always an unexceptionable moral character, have made their way up from the condition of those common laborers, with no other advantage over a large proportion of those they have left behind, than that derived from a better education. A statement made from the books of one of the manufacturing companies under our direction will show the relative number of the two classes and the earnings of each. This mill may be taken as a fair index of all the others." the average number of operatives annually employed for the last three years is one thousand two hundred of this number there are forty-five unable to write their names or about three-fourths of a percent the average of women's wages in the departments requiring the most skill is two dollars and fifty cents per week exclusive of board the average of wages in the lowest departments is one dollar twenty-five cents per week of the 45 who are unable to write, 29, or about two-thirds, are employed in the lowest department. The difference between the wages earned by the 45 and the average wages of an equal number of the better-educated class is about 27% in favor of the latter. The difference between the wages earned by 29 of the lowest class and the same number in the higher is 66%. Of seventeen persons, filling the most responsible situations in the mills, ten have grown up in the establishment from common labourers or apprentices. This statement does not include an importation of sixty-three persons from Manchester in England in 1839. Among these persons, there was scarcely one who could read or write, and although a part of them had been accustomed to work in cotton mills, yet either from incapacity or idleness they were unable to earn sufficient to pay for their subsistence and at the expiration of a few weeks not more than half a dozen remained in our employment in some of the print works a large proportion of the operatives are foreigners those who are employed in the branches which require a considerable degree of skill are as well educated as our people in similar situations but the common laborers as a class are without any education and their average earnings are about two-thirds only of those of our lowest classes although the prices paid to each are the same for the same amount of work among the men and boys employed in our machine shops the want of education is quite rare indeed i do not know an instance of a person who is unable to read and write and many have had a good common school education to this may be attributed the fact that a large proportion of the persons who fill the higher and more responsible situations came from this class of workmen from these statements you will be able to form some estimate in dollars and cents at least of the advantages even of a little education to the operative and there is not the least doubt that the employer is equally benefited he has the security for his property that intelligence good morals and a just appreciation of the regulations of his establishment always afford his machinery and his mills which constitute a large part of his capital are in the hands of persons who by their skill are enabled to use them to their utmost capacity and to prevent any unnecessary depreciation each operative in a cotton mill may be supposed to represent from one thousand to twelve hundred dollars of the capital invested in the mill and its machinery it is only from the most diligent and economical use of this capital that the proprietor can expect a profit a fraction less than one-half of the cost of the manufacturing of common cotton goods when a mill is in full operation is made up of charges which are permanent if the product is reduced in the ratio of the capacity of the two classes of operatives mentioned in this statement it will be seen that the cost will be increased in a compound ratio my belief is that the best cotton mill in new england with such operatives only as the forty-five mentioned above who are unable to write their names would never yield the proprietor a profit that the machinery would soon be worn out and he would be left in a short time with a population no better than that which is represented as i suppose very fairly by the importation from england i cannot imagine any situation in life where the want of a common school education would be more severely felt or be attended with worse consequences than in our manufacturing villages nor on the other hand is there any place where such advantages can be improved with greater benefit to all parties there is more excitement and activity in the minds of people living in masses, and if this expends itself in any of the thousand vicious indulgences with which they are sure to be tempted, the road to destruction is travelled over with a speed exactly corresponding to the power employed. Very truly yours, James K. Mills. Letter from H. Bartlett, Esquire. Lowell, December 1st, 1841. Honorable Horace Mann dear sir in replying to your interrogatories respecting the effect of education upon the labouring classes i might be very brief but the subject is one in which i feel so deep an interest that i propose to go a little into detail and hope to do so without being tedious i have been engaged for nearly ten years in manufacturing and have had the constant charge of from four hundred to nine hundred persons during that time the greater part of them have been Americans, but there have always been more or less foreigners. During this time I have had charge of two different establishments in different parts of the State. In answering your second interrogatory, I can say that I have come in contact with a very great variety of character and disposition, and have seen mind applied to production in the mechanic and manufacturing arts, possessing different degrees of intelligence, from gross ignorance to a high degree of cultivation, and I have no hesitation in affirming that I have found the best educated to be the most profitable help. Even those females who merely tend the machinery give a result somewhat in proportion to the advantages enjoyed in early life for education, those who have had a good common school education, giving as a class invariably a better production than those brought up in ignorance. The former make the best wages, if any one should doubt the fact let him examine the payroll of any establishment in new england and ascertain the character of the girls who get the most money and he will be satisfied that i am correct i am equally clear that as a class they do their work better there are many reasons why it should be so they have more order and system they not only keep their persons neater but their machinery in better condition but there are other advantages besides mere knowledge growing out of a good common school education such an education is calculated to strengthen the whole system intellectual moral and physical it educates the whole man or woman and gives him or her more energy and greater capacity for production in all departments of labour minds imbued by such an education are superior in the combination and arrangement of what is already known and more frequently devise new methods of operation your third inquiry relates to the effects of education upon the domestic and social habits of the persons in my employ i have never considered mere knowledge valuable as it is in itself to the laborer as the only advantage derived from a good common school education i have uniformly found the better educated as a class possessing a higher and better state of morals more orderly and respectful in their deportment and more ready to comply with the wholesome and necessary regulations of an establishment and in times of agitation on account of some change in regulations or wages i have always looked to the most intelligent best educated and the most moral for support and have seldom been disappointed for while they are the last to submit to any imposition they reason and if your requirements are reasonable they will generally acquiesce, and exert a salutary influence upon their associates. But the ignorant and uneducated I have generally found the most turbulent and troublesome, acting under the impulse of excited passion and jealousy. The former appear to have an interest in sustaining good order, while the latter seem more reckless of consequences, and to my mind all this is perfectly natural— the better educated have more and stronger attachments binding them to the place where they are they are generally neater as i have said before in their persons dress and houses surrounded with more comforts with fewer of the ills which flesh is heir to in short i have found the educated as a class more cheerful and contented devoting a portion of their leisure time to reading and intellectual pursuits more with their families and less in scenes of dissipation the good effect of all this is seen in the more orderly and comfortable appearance of their whole household but nowhere more strikingly than in the children a mother who has had a good common school education will rarely suffer her children to grow up in ignorance as i have said this class of persons is more quiet more orderly and i may add more regular in their attendance upon public worship and more punctual in the performance of all their duties. Your fourth inquiry refers to the relative stand taken in society by those who have received an early education, and my answers to your inquiries under that head might be inferred from what I have already said. My remarks before have referred quite as much to females as to males, but what I shall say under this will refer particularly to the latter i have generally observed individuals exerting an influence among their co-laborers and citizens somewhat in proportion to their education and in cases of difficulty and arbitration the most ignorant have paid an involuntary respect to the value of education by the selection of those who have enjoyed its benefits for the settlement of their controversies it would be very difficult if not impossible for a young man who had not an education equal to a good common-school education to rise from grade to grade until he should obtain the birth of an overseer and in making promotions as a general thing it would be unnecessary to make inquiry as to the education of the young men from whom you would select for their mental cultivation would be sufficiently indicated by their general appearance and standing among their fellows and if you had reference to merit and qualifications very seldom indeed would an uneducated young man rise to a better place and better pay young men who expect to resort to manufacturing establishments for employment cannot prize too highly a good education it will give them standing among their associates and be the means of promotion from their employers your fifth interrogatory refers to difference of moral character in the two classes and the dangers which society or men of property have to apprehend from the one or the other i do not know that i can better answer your inquiries under this head than to give you my views of the value in a pecuniary point of view of education and morality to the stockholders of our manufacturing establishments if they have no danger to apprehend from a general diffusion of knowledge among those in their employ if it is a fact that that class of help which has enjoyed a good common-school education are the most tractable yielding most readily to reasonable requirements exerting a salutary and conservative influence in times of excitement while the most ignorant are the most refractory then it appears to me that the public at large ought to be satisfied that they have more danger to apprehend from the ignorant than from the well-educated I am aware that there is a feeling, to a certain, but I hope limited extent, that knowledge among the great masses is dangerous, that it creates discontent and leads to insubordination, but I believe this fear to be groundless, and that our danger will come from the opposite source. In my view there is a connection between education and morals, and I believe that our common schools have been nurseries not only of learning but of sound morality and I trust they will always be surrounded by such influences as will strengthen and confirm the moral principles of our youth, and I am confident that so long as that shall be the case, society is safe. From my observation and experience, I am perfectly satisfied that the owners of manufacturing property have a deep pecuniary interest in the education and morals of their help, and I believe the time is not distant when the truth of this will appear more and more clear. And as competition becomes more close, and small circumstances of more importance in turning the scale in favour of one establishment over another, I believe it will be seen that the establishment, other things being equal, which has the best educated and the most moral help, will give the greatest production at the least cost per pound. So confident am I that production is affected by the intellectual and moral character of help that whenever a mill or a room should fail to give the proper amount of work my first inquiry after that respecting the condition of the machinery would be as to the character of the help and if the deficiency remained to any great length of time i am sure i should find many who had made their marks upon the pay-roll being unable to write their names and i should be greatly disappointed if i did not upon inquiry find a portion of them of irregular habits and suspicious character my mind has been drawn to this subject for a long time i have watched its operation and seen its result and am satisfied that the pecuniary interest of the owners is promoted by the general diffusion of knowledge and morality among those in their employ lowell is a striking illustration of the truth of my remarks on this subject probably no other place has done as much for the education and morality of those engaged in manufacturing she has twenty-three public schools, fifteen churches, and numerous associations for intellectual improvement, and the result is seen not only in the orderly and temperate character of her people, but in the great productiveness of the mills. And where, I would ask, is manufacturing stock of more value? If any one doubts the connection between these institutions and the price of stock, let the former be destroyed, let those lights be extinguished let ignorance and vice take the place of intelligence and virtue let the prevailing influence here be against schools and churches and my opinion is that the moral character of the people would not decline faster than the price of the manufacturing stocks the founders of this place were clear and far-sighted men and they put in operation a train of moral influences which has formed and preserved a community distinguished for intelligence virtue and great energy of character should any owner or manager think otherwise and surround himself with the ignorant and unprincipled because for a time he might get them for less wages i am confident that loss in production would more than keep pace with the reduction in pay to say nothing of the insecurity of property in the hands of such persons in short, in closing my answer to your fifth interrogatory, I consider that those who possess property and hope to transmit it to their children have nothing to fear from the general diffusion of knowledge, that if their rights are ever invaded or their property rendered insecure, it will be when ignorance has corrupted the public mind and prepared it for the controlling influence of some master spirit possessing intelligence without principle." finally in answering your sixth and last interrogatory i remark that those who possess the greatest share in the stock of worldly goods are deeply interested in this subject as one of mere insurance that the most effectual way of making insurance on their property would be to contribute from it enough to sustain an efficient system of common school education thereby educating the whole mass of minds and constituting it a police more effective than peace officers or prisons. By so doing, they would bestow a benefaction upon that class who from the accident of birth or parentage are subjected to the privations and temptations of poverty, and would do much to remove the prejudice and to strengthen the bands of union between the different and extreme portions of society. The great majority always have been, and probably always will be, Comparatively poor, while a few will possess the greatest share of this world's goods. And it is a wise provision of Providence which connects so intimately, and as I think so indissolubly, the greatest good of the many with the highest interest of the few. Yours very respectfully and truly, H. Bartlett. End of section eighteen.